And welcome in. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. The Magic continue the homestand this week. We'll see the Houston Rockets. That'll be on Monday. Then the Dallas Mavericks are in on Wednesday. Magic take the L last night. Aaron Fox with about a 31-footer at the horn in overtime to knock the Magic off. And so I'll try to get back at it on Monday with the Houston Rockets in town. And the entire league is playing on Monday night. And the reason for that is because the entire league is off on Tuesday for Election Day. Uh, Civic engagement and getting out the vote is a big uh, objective for the league this year. And so obviously uh, we encourage everybody to make a plan, get out and vote. And my guest today, uh, along those very same lines, has been fighting for rights restoration and for getting out the vote and for the ability to get out the vote in the state of Florida and throughout the country. He is the executive director of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. Um, He was granted the MacArthur Genius Grant, which I need to ask about because I'm not even sure what exactly that all means. He's one of the most uh, 100 most influential people in the world, according to Time Magazine, per April 2019. He's Desmond Mead, the executive director of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, and uh, he's in Oakland right now. Desmond, thank you so much for joining me for waking up early. I wasn't sure because we set the thing on Friday, and then we and then we turned the clocks back, and I was like, I hope I hope he made sure he's it's not nine o'clock there, it's ten o'clock here, whatever. But I appreciate you getting up with me. Uh, Jake, man, let me tell you something. It's a pleasure. Uh, I would definitely do it any time of the day, or morning, or whatever, no matter what coast I'm on. Anytime I get a chance to rock with the magic, hey, I'm there. So it's I'm glad to be here. But I do have one question to ask you, Jake. Shoot. What color khakis are you wearing, bro? <laughs> right now, because it's morning, I'm wearing I'm wearing flannel, I'm wearing flannel pajama pads, but I do get that I get that quite a bit. I had I had the built-in Halloween costume. I just never I, I just never used it, the uh the khaki pants. Uh, he sounds hideous. I can't tell you how many times I heard that before. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for waking up with me and for joining me. I appreciate it. You, you we were talking off air before you came on. Well, you're in Oakland right now. You, you know, I, I hopped on your timeline after we agreed to do this, and I was like, okay, he just got done doing Oprah, and now he's going to come to my to my podcast. <laughs> you must be, you must be just slammed this time of year. I'm sure you're slammed all the time, but. Just, just, just fill us in on what you're up to right now. Well, let me tell you, Jake, the highlight of the night was not necessarily hanging out with Oprah, right? Because I left Oprah a little early to rush over to the arena, right? So I could be there to make sure that I could certify myself as a good luck charm for the Magic. And so I was there when we knocked off the Golden State Warriors. You were in the house on Thursday. Yeah, I didn't I was, know that. I was in the house. You know, and I, and I was telling some of the magic executives, man, you guys need to invite me back more often, man. Because, you know, every time, you know, me and my organization show up, we always seem like the magic wins, man, and we pull off the inevitable. So uh, I just want to put that plug out there. But, you know, I had, it was great that night hanging out um, really on the, um, on the um, live video with, with Oprah talking about voting and then just coming to the arena and watching such a, that was an amazing game. Um, and and then getting the chance to meet even Coach Steve Kerr um, after the game and really just talk about some of the work that we're doing around voting and around gun violence uh, reduction. Um, let's go there because I, I was going to come back to that, but I but, but let's lead with that. The partnership with Steve Clifford and the Orlando Magic, um, the NFL. I I know you uh, re- received a check down in in South Florida. Um, Coach Kerr has done a lot of really, really good work 
the NBA is kind of at the forefront um, of of progressivism, I think, and especially in the sporting world. What, what does that mean to you? Uh, the partnerships, the relationships you've been able to to make, it, and, and how powerful is yeah. it? Man, Jake, I love it, man. So appreciative of this, man, because I've, I've I've said for such a long time that when you when you talk about really engaging the community, engaging public, first of all, let's 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 start from a core principle that I believe, right, right, that we our country right now is at a time where there's so much division and hatred and fear going on, you know, and and the way how I operate is I try to engage in in things that bring people together in spite of their political differences, in spite of their racial differences or even religious beliefs or whatever, how could we do things in such a way to bring people together? And we did that with Passing Amendment 4, where we brought a broad cross-section of people together, man, to do the right thing, right? And so when you talk about, well, what type of activities bring people together from all political persuasions and races and everything? Well, sports, right? Sports, music, entertainment, you know, and so in any given day, in any arena or any stadium, right, you're going to find thousands of people cheering a team on, right? Thousands of people on one accord, even though they have different views on so many things, right? And so I do believe that there are opportunities to do so. And when you have an opportunity to connect with a, a sports franchise to actually promote a message that is universal, right? That's not leaning one way or the other, but it's universal. It's about the right thing. Then, man, it, that's a lifetime opportunity. And the magic have been, man, let me tell you, I think personally, I think the magic actually set the standard for the rest of the NBA, right? And just how, you know, our initial meeting with, with Coach and, of course, with Jeff, you know, leadership of the magic, it was, um, I was very, very impressed. And I think that, folks seen what we did with the magic and they tried to one up the magic. And so, you know, I, I'm hoping it turns into a friendly competition and we're like, okay, well, who can get engaged with real community stakeholders, right, in a meaningful way and bring people together. That was just so key for me. And then of course, the people who I, you know, really fight for the most, you know, returning citizens. And there's a reason why I do that. But the people who I fight for the most are more influenced uh, by athletes and, and, and celebrities and they are by politicians or, you know, political figures. And so to get the magic on board to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, if you want to change in your community, the first thing you got to do is get off the bench and get in the game and vote, right? That was the first t-shirt we did together, right? And um, as a matter of fact, it's still the top t-shirt in the league right now. Nobody else has topped that. But um, that has been a very exciting experience, man. And I really appreciated um, Coach Steve, you know, and really um, embracing us. I, I appreciate the Magic organization really embracing us, man. And I feel privileged. How difficult is it to stay nonpartisan? Because what you're fighting for, for returning citizens, for mm -hmm. the restoration of civil rights, um, is ideally not political, mm -hmm. but it is. I, I mean, there, <laughs> right? It seems like, and I don't mean to get too into it, but yeah. it seems no. like there's one party who's the party of voter mm -hmm. disenfranchisement, right? You like, know, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that question, you know, because on the surface, it would appear, man, it's, it, it, that it would be difficult, right? Because you see, like, the one party that's always in the news about doing something negative or whatever. Um, but, you know, 
I don't think it is that difficult when you look at the totality, mm -hmm. right? If you look at what's going on now, yes, you would see that one party is being billed as a bad guy, right? But it was not too long ago the other party was. <laughs> and, and listen, I mean, you pick your poison. Do you talk about the suppression efforts of, uh, of, of say, the Republican Party today or the suppression efforts of the Democratic Party yesterday, right? Um, and then I think that when you look at it from a more holistic um, point of view, it, it's not that difficult. And there's two areas, of it, right? And there's two pieces that you can look at. Number one, believe it or not, I really challenge people. I, I think that no, even though we know what voting does, I don't think voting is as, as political as people make it out to be. I think because mm. I remember, listen, do you know I voted in my very first presidential election over 50 years ago? The first presidential election I ever voted for in my entire life. You know where I voted for him at? And that was that's right. Edward I know. Center. First time ever in my life. And let me tell you, when I went in that booth and I voted. I realized I wasn't voting as a black or white person. I wasn't voting as a Democrat or Republican, right? I mean, that voting thing, I was voting as, as it was like an affirmation of my existence, yeah, right? In a, in a society, man, that I am a part of a collective society and my voice is valuable, right? And I think that voting transcends the partisan politics, even the implicit racial biases that we struggle with every single day, man. The voting is just a validation of our existence as a human being in a society, period. That's what I believe. So that's one thing, right? Um, but then when I look at the other thing as well, right? When I think about since the formation of this country, James, there's always been a group of people, right, who believe that they should pick and choose who get the vote for them, right? When you go all the way back, you know, when this country was formed, it started out with, oh, you had to be a white man and own land, right? And I say that to, to remind people that it's not been that long ago where women was not even, that people thought that women should not have a say in how their community ran. And they felt so strongly about it. They were willing to physically brutalize women in public and throw them in prison. They was imprisoning women, right? Because women, all women wanted to say, listen, we're human beings. We should be a part of this society. We should have a say in how it goes, right? And and you see that on both sides. Let me tell you, even when we we, we, we talk about redistricting and, and, and gerrymandering and stuff like that that we see happen now, right? And and, and then you have one fact, oh, look at those Republicans. They're trying to redraw the line so they can get more Republicans in Congress, right? But guess what's happening in states where there's a Democrat control? Democrats are redrawing the line so they can get more Democrats. You know? And so you have Republicans on one side, you have Democrats on the other side, the east side trying to get their people to uh, look at the other side as the enemy, right? And, and, and the reality is, is that this system is, is playing an active role in tearing us apart as a country, all right? And so for me, for my organization, it is easy to take this nonpartisan role. As a matter of fact, when we had our campaign, we didn't call it a nonpartisan campaign. We didn't even call it a bipartisan campaign. You know what we called it? We called it a grassroots movement that welcomed and enjoyed bipartisan support. And the reason why is, and the difference of our campaign was that we didn't lead with the politics. We led with the people. And so I do believe that it is easy as heck to place the needs and concerns of people 
above the needs and concerns of political parties, mm. right? Well, I think it's easy because our needs are very simple. Uh, similar question on a more micro level. What about you specifically? Does it ever feel personal for you when you, because you know that you're sort of the, the, yeah. um, the bellwether or the, you know, what happens to Desmond tends to happen to the rest of, of, of of people in the state of Florida who are fighting for the same rights. You are at the forefront of it. And sometimes mm. in the news, Desmond, it's, you know, your court marshals getting dragged through the news or whatever. <laughs> and and yeah. and that is that's gotta be a difficult situation for you to say, I'm fighting for something bigger rather than just for myself. Yes. But obviously, yes. like that moment when you left the Amway Center and you had cast your first vote, yeah. that was so freaking powerful, man. Like <laughs> yeah. how is it is it is it difficult yeah. for you not to let it feel personal? Well, you know, I, on the surface, once again, it would seem that way, man. But you remember, you talking to a person who back in 2005, remember, I was homeless. I was addicted to drugs. I was standing in front of railroad tracks waiting on the train to come mm. so I could jump in front of it. You know, I just felt like I was a disappointment to my family, to my community. I mean, and I wanted to end my life. You're talking about a person that was there in 2005, man, and was able to cross those tracks, man, and and, and check myself for the drug treatment and then move into a homeless shelter. And while there, enroll in a local community college to eventually get a bunch of degrees, including a law degree, right, <laughs> from FIU College of Law. And like you said, eventually become, what, a genius? And uh, I was like Time Magazine, one of the 100 most influential people, not in the country, but in the world, right? And so from a person that's been at the depths of hell, you know, um, there's a deeper appreciation for the things that I may personally experience. And I'm understanding that the things that I went through in the past was because, you know, it's just for me, I think that, you know, and I feel proud of saying this, that like, I felt like I was chosen to do this work, yeah. right? And I've been through some of it, so I understand about the homelessness. I understand about not being able to make ends meet. I understand about, you know, being passed over, being discriminated against. I understand about being arrested and going through the criminal justice system, right? I understand all of that. I understand about not being able to vote. I understand about having my past be used against me. I understand these things. And believe it or not, the majority, these are things that have been experienced by the majority of Americans, people living in, in not only in, in, in on Central Florida, but throughout this country. Sure. And, and so it is easy for me to place the needs and concerns of regular everyday people above everything else. And it's easy for me to understand that this thing is way bigger than me. Because who am I? I'm just this ordinary guy, man, that God chose to really step up during extraordinary times and doing extraordinary things, right? And it's really talking about love. How, you know, for me, I think that's the most extraordinary thing. We are talking about love. And I'm going to tell you why. You know, a lot of people, we use this word love so much. And I tell people this nowadays. It's easy as heck to say that you love somebody who is doing you a favor, conferring a benefit to you, right? That's easy, man. That, that's not impressive, you know? I mean, somebody gives you a million dollars, Oh, I love you. Yeah, that's easy <laughs> to say, right? But the true test of love is how could you love someone that hates you mm. or someone that wants to hurt you or someone that don't care about you, right? That is the true test of love, I, I believe, right? And that's the most powerful thing, right, that, that we have here. That was, love was a force that drove us across the finish line 
and November of 2018 and passing Amendment 4. Um, politics and hate and fear uh, uh, threatening and trying to tear that up. But, you know, I believe that love conquers everything. Love conquers all. Um, and to me, when you are understanding the power of love and you're letting that be your driving force, man, listen, let the, let the obstacles come. Because when they come, what other people see as obstacles, we see as opportunities, right? This is the opportunity to love even more, you know? That's real. That uh, I love that. I it, does it, it can't ever get old, right? You you <laughs> no. you 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 tell one per. I, so I had a story. This is this is goofy, but when I was in college, I went to Ohio State in Columbus, and I was political canvassing for like one year, and I was giving surveys and then registering people to vote. And there was one guy who said, "I can't vote," and it he was he was a he was a felon. And I I pulled out my little flip phone and I called my boss and I said, Wait, you know, because I don't even know this is 2001 or whatever in the state of Ohio. So who knows what the laws were then? I, I have no idea how you and your team keep up with all the different injunctions and this and this and this. That's it's why you have a law degree and I don't. But we but I called my boss and they said, register that man. And I registered one guy who had been told either by the criminal justice system or by his people or whoever that he wasn't he wasn't eligible to vote and i know mm -hmm. there are a thousand and desmond i remember that i still i still i still have a deep pride for that one guy and who knows where he is these days who knows if he even voted that year mm -hmm. but but it, it can't every it must feel so good every time you restore somebody's rights or inform somebody of their rights that can't ever get old wow man you you're not you're not lying uh, i mean because really um one story, as a matter of fact, I had shared with Oprah, uh, with about Barbara, this lady Barbara. Um, the doctor, we didn't know this, right? Prior to encountering her, the doctor had gave her, her doctor gave her six months for that. And a little while after that, you know, we we encountered her and we was registering her vote, and she started crying, right? We were like, well, why are you crying? She was like, man, for 24 years, I've been trying to to be able to vote and I had just given up. I thought I'd never be able to vote because of my you know I had a drug addiction and and because I had some felonies. But yet here I am signing this voter registration form. Tears just flowing down her eyes. We, she was just that happy. And then she looked up and asked that we would actually pray to God that she would live long enough to be able to cast a ballot. And then that's when we found out that the doctor gave her six months to live mm -hmm. and she was coming up on that time. And that kind of shocked me. I mean, because here you have a person that's like given a little bit of time to live on this planet and their dying wish was not to go to Disney World or a magic game or, you know, or meet a celebrity. Her dying wish was just to be able to get to feel what it felt like to be a citizen, to be a mm -hmm. part of something bigger. And let me tell you something. Unfortunately, man, weeks after, a couple of weeks after we uh, registered her, she passed away. And man, let me tell you, that's hurt my heart so bad. But there's so many, there are thousands and thousands of people like Barbara. And it really struck home because I've heard it before. I've heard people say, man, I hope I can vote before I die. And I've, I've heard that for many, uh, many times. But to actually encounter someone who was actually given a, a, a limited time to live on this earth and did not make it, man. It ripped my heart out, man. Mm. But, you know, there are folks that, that 
really want to drink. So anytime that I, the organization, man, we, we pay for my defines and fees off. Magic helped with that too, remember? Um, each person, every day, man, there's somebody whose fines and fees we're paying off that where they're not forced to have to choose between putting food on their table or being able to vote. Every day that we're doing that, every day that somebody's coming and saying, wait a minute, I got my vote identification card. Oh, I got my license returned because the fines and fees were attached and my license being suspended. And now that I have a driver's license, I can get better employment. Or now that I have a driver's license, I started my own uh, cleaning business. So now I'm a business owner, right? Because we we have to, every time we hear stories like that, man, let me tell you, it overshadows all of the negativity that's out there, right? It overshadows the different tactics that people may use to intimidate or scare voters or, or the tactics that people may use to try to divide this country, right? Or divide our community. Every time I hear a story, man, it, 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 it warms my heart and, understand, and makes me understand and reinforces that that is the most important thing that we can do. And you know what? Let me tell you. Let me tell you something, Jay. I've said variations of this story so many times, right? But with the recent uh, uh, hurricane that we went through again, let me tell you, I used to say variations of that, that, that man, when a natural disaster happens, when a hurricane comes through and, and, and destroys a community, man, those are beautiful moments, man, where we mm. see people come together and they don't give a darn about the, a person's political views or spiritual views. That was my first day. reaction. No. That was my, yes. I was out in my, in my neighborhood and we're all picking up each other's sticks and people are loaning people yeah. rakes. And I said, yeah. Democrat, Republican, that, Democrat, Republican, it don't matter. We're all neighbors. It don't matter. It don't matter. And I believe that we don't have to wait for natural disaster. I strongly believe that. And that's why I feel love is our driving force. And, and, and here's the thing, right? It happens in basketball games. Tell me how many Democrats go to the Magic game. How many? You don't know. Right? But we know how many fans go to the game, right. right? Whether they're rooting for the other team or rooting for the Magic, you know, they're coming together. And even people on opposite teams, they even tend to have a great time together, really ribbing each other, right? And so I, I am convinced that we do have an opportunity to actually bring people together and, and talk about it. And, and, and voting is what I believe voting is one of it, right? That everyone should have a say. When we fought for Amendment 4 so that people with felony convictions could be able to have a say, it didn't matter if they were Democrat or Republican or wanted to vote either way. That was irrelevant to us. And, and we fought just as hard for that person who wanted to vote for Donald Trump as we did for that person who wished they could have voted for President Barack Obama, right? And even today, as as these people, as returning citizens, are getting uh, victimized and, 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 and getting assaulted because they're easy targets, you know, there are people who've been arrested that registered as Republicans and and, 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 and voted for, for your, your Donald Trump, right? There are people who are getting arrested that may have voted for Biden. And so it's irrelevant about what their political preference is. What, what we're talking about is that no matter how a person may want to vote, no matter what their religious or political views are, if they're living in this country and they're an American citizen, they should have an opportunity to have a say on how their country is run. How do you combat apathy, especially with young people? Because for every Barbara, there's a 22-year-old who's so turned off by what we just talked about, by the discourse. Yeah. 
Of course. It, I, will, I, I would be too, you know. When you it can be easy. It can be listen. easy to say, to throw your hands up and, and just say, I'm done with this. Why not? Because number one, you, 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 you see all the lies, right? That's happening. You see, listen, you see a big group about whether or not having access to clean drinking water, right? Is it right? I mean, what is there to debate about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, no, really, what is there to debate about? There are so many issues, right, that are just so simple. And if you take the politics out of it, right, there's simple solutions. There's simple solutions. For 150 years, right, we've had the policies that, that, that disenfranchised, permanently barred American citizens from being able to vote, right? And as long as it was political, it lasted 150 years. When we took the politics out of it, we were able to get rid of it like that. Mm. <laughs> it yep. was just so simple. And it was a very simple question. That anyone who you've ever loved, right, who's ever made a mistake that deserves to have a second chance. And almost everyone, almost everyone would say that they would not want to be judged, right, for the rest of their lives for one mistake that they made. Yep. Almost every single person would tell you that they had made a mistake, and when they made that mistake, that they would love to be forgiven for that mistake. Every single one. Is that right. the easiest argument? Because sometimes I mean, arguments may be a bad word. When you debate these things, it can be really easy these days to get, for people to get into conspiracy theories and it's a mechanism because this party wants to do this. And That's I'm sitting political. there going, it's very simple, right? It's double jeopardy. We do not we do not have double jeopardy in this country. And when and right now we do when we're. Well, I, I make it even more simpler than that. Right. Listen, <laughs> bankruptcy. <laughs> You know, you when you have your debts, you're forgiven for your debt and given a new start, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you 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 talk about something real simple because a person makes a mistake, they go in front of a judge, and the judge says, you know what? Because of your mistake, you need to serve two years in prison. Okay, you serve those two years, you release back into the community. Well, uh. Yeah, you should be able to move on with your life, yeah. right? It's beneficial. Listen, this country is a, America is a nation of second chances, right? It was founded by second chances, right? Somebody needed a, 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 a new way, a second attempt. You know? and, and and folks came to this this body of land for a second chance. And, and, and we also are a nation that loves the underdogs. <laughs> Right. Um, and we, we love when people are able to redeem themselves and, and we love the restoration process. Inherently, it's, it's within us. It's when the politics come involved. That's when you see, oh, well, we don't want to do this because that's one party trying to get advantage of the other party. Right. And and a lot of that stuff is really basic. It's really is. You know, folks would think that, oh, you know, the only people whose rights need to be restored are African-Americans and all African-Americans vote Democrats. So this is going to help the Democrats, right? And what they just are blind to is that it's actually way different than that. You know, um, folks were shocked when they found out that African-Americans only made up a third of people in the state of Florida who could not vote because of a felony conviction, you know. 
it was founded to 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 discover that I mean over a million of these folks were white. <laughs> you know, they look more like you, Jake, than they look like me. <laughs> right? And 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 uh you had higher percentages of people getting uh, convicted in uh rural rural communities and in conservative counties, right? Um and so it wasn't just a black thing, it was an all American issue. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, I mean, when you look at it, man, let me tell you, Amendment 4 had the majority of votes in every single house district in the state of Florida. Mm. That has never happened before, right? Every single house district from Pensacola all the way to Key West, right, voted in the majority for Amendment 4. Over a million people who were, matter of fact, there's a study, I'm trying to find it again, but said about 40 percent of the people who voted for our current government also voted yes on amendment. Wow. And about 42 to 45 percent of the people who voted for um, um, Congressman Rick Scott also voted for amendment. Four. And we know over a million, listen, we had over a million more people voted for amendment four than for our current government. Right? And so we touched every part of this state because guess what? This issue had touched every part of the state, regardless of the person, uh, um, ethnicity, their race, their political or religious views. Uh, it was touching people. Um, second to last thing, what do you tell people who are supportive, but uh, you know, everybody's got excuses, right? I'm low on time. I'm short on money. It's I want to help, but I, but I can't extend myself too much. What are like simple ways to, to get involved? Let me tell you, um, no, let me tell you what I tell people when they say that, right? There's been too much bloodshed. You know, I remember walking up, when walking up to the voting booth, I, I, I really felt like I was walking on sacred ground, mm. right? And I, and I felt that because I thought about the blood that was shed, right? Um, there was so many sacrifices that were made so that American citizens had the right to vote. Many, 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 many lives have been sacrificed for this. And, you know, it's hard to force a politician to respect you as an individual when you're not even respecting your own vote, mm. right? You, what you, if you respect your vote, let me tell you something. A lot of these politicians, man, they know, oh, all there's only going to be 20% of the people, uh, sometimes even less, of voters that's going to show up to vote, right? So I don't have to do all that other stuff. I just need to do just enough to get the majority. Yeah. But when they see that that people are showing up, that 80%, 90%, you know, people who are eligible to vote are coming to the polls and having their voices heard, that forces a politician to listen more to the people than to special interests or just the political parties. Um, and so I tell folks, man, that we have to put respect on our own vote, right? Um, and we have to recognize that if we do not vote, man, we are like spinning on the legacy of our ancestors that was willing to face death so we can have this opportunity to vote, right? And then, I, then what I do, I take it a step further, you know, because you know, in Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, we launched this four for four campaign, right? Four for four, and that means that you get four people to come and vote, right, in honor of Amendment Four. Uh, and we did this because 
of the recent, you know, um, arrests in Florida mm-hmm. of folks. And we know that there are some folks that may be uh, scared to vote. And we're like, listen, if you feel in the depth of your heart and you've done your due diligence and you feel like you are, are eligible to vote, then you should go to vote, right? And when you go to vote, you bring four people with you to vote. If you feel like there's some concerns about voting, we're not going to tell you to go vote. But what we do tell you is that you bring four family members and friends, right? Four lovers who are registered voting. You have them vote on your behalf. Either way it goes, we're standing at the ready. Uh, we have a bail fund. We have a legal defense fund. And we're making sure that anybody who gets arrested around voting is bailed out of jail and that we're going to provide legal defense for them. And so we're telling folks, listen, one way or another, you have to participate in this election. If you don't have any of those concerns and you're just a registered voter, man, listen, get up off your behind. You got to get up off the bench. Get in the game. That's it, right? That's that. That's our slogan. Get off the bench and get in the game. The magic needs you. We, in order for us to win the game, man, you got to get in the game, right? And we need every each and every one uh, of the fans for the magic to make sure that they exercise their right to have a say on how this country is run. That's a perfect transition to my final question, which is: Tell me about Paulo Bencaro. <laughs> Tell me about Paul. What did you What did you think of him uh, the other night in the Golden State game? Uh, Man, let me tell you, bro. I am. I'm impressed. I'm listen. I am impressed. I, you know, I'm thinking young. This young guy, man. You know, facing like the, the NBA champions. I mean, come on. It's 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 it's. You remember. When the Magic went to the NBA Finals for the first time when Shaq was there, and they yeah. were talking about, oh, you guys have never been there, right? And I remember when Shaq was like, well, listen, you have to be here to win, right? And we're not going to wilt in the face of, 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 of you know, this, this, this big feat that we have ahead of us. So this young man, I, I thought, was very impressive, man. And the Magic as a team, man, they, listen, the energy – uh, the fight. I mean, I'm seeing them you know, diving for loose balls and pumping their fists in the air. Like, yeah. yeah, we're not backing down. And yeah, that was that was great, man. But I got one. I got a better one for you too, right? And then, so you have to end on another note. But I got to tell you, you know, um, uh, our deputy director Neil is from Ohio State. He's a big Buckeye fan. Okay. We will be at the Ohio State Michigan game. Right, rooting for the Buckeyes. We got a Buckeye shoes, an FRC Buckeye shoes. You know, I got my jerseys. We ready to go. I love uh, it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I oh, oh baby. Oh, I love it, Desmond. See, I didn't realize. I didn't even realize that you were in the house on Thursday. We, hey, we got to get you back for many yeah. more games at Amway Center because because we need we need some oh, help, listen, bro. You guys are gonna win. Listen, right now. The magic. Listen, I'm I'm, a, I'm gonna go out on them on this one. The FRRC is in the house uh, tomorrow, and, and and I predict another magic win. Good. When okay. that happens, Coach Jamal, listen, he's going to have to do what Steve did. Remember when Coach Steve when we made the playoffs, right? Coach Steve had me over, and I actually gave the pregame speech yes. to the players, and we won our first game, right, right. in the playoffs, right? Coach Jamal, I'm trying to tell you, somebody need to get to him and let him know. Man, it's been a minute since you've been in that locker room to talk to those guys. So I'm the good luck charm. Organization's the good luck charm. 
Right, you guys. Hey, we're good. we're gonna need you. I think we got we got like seventy one more games, so I hope you got a clear yeah. schedule because <laughs> we're gonna need you. Uh, the great yeah. Desmond Mead. Hey, I can't appreciate. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. Um, powerful stuff. Keep doing what you're doing. Much love. Uh, all of the above. Everybody, get out and vote on Tuesday. Very clearly, check out everything that Desmond does, and I'm gonna come track you down. You're gonna be there tomorrow. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. But we well represented. Uh, oh, you're gonna have you're gonna have the crew there. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So maybe it's the crew and me being there. That's a good job. But I, I just got a feeling that you know, yeah, we should be able to pull just that send off us the good vibes. Send yep. us the good vibes yep. from open. Tell everybody, everybody, man, listen. No matter what your views are, no, no matter if you're left, right, it doesn't matter. What matters most, man, is that you get in this game. Right, because when you get in this game, we have a more vibrant democracy, man, and it's good for everyone. So everybody needs to just go ahead and get off the bench and get in the game. Period. Exclamation point. Desmond <laughs> Mead. Jake Chabin here with you. Desmond, thank you so much. I can't I I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Be well, okay. All right. Love being here, man. All right, there he is, Desmond Mead. Jake Chabin here with you. It's the mostly magic podcast. We're back next week.